It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Okay, folks. Well, here, here I'm. So, I'm flying solo again <laughs> because my partner is not here. But we'll just have a good visit between us. We will just have good fellowship between us. Uh, You know, folks, the older I get, and I'm getting pretty old. Some of you are, too. Uh, It seems as though the sweet of the Lord grows. The sweet of the Lord grows. And the Bill Gaither people did a song about that. Here it is. Since I started for the kingdom, since my life he controls, since I gave my You've heard me say many times, I believe, our audience is kind of like a family. And I know many of you out in Radio Land right now, you felt the same thing that I felt. And it's wonderful. Now, I, uh, I love Bill and Gloria Gaither, their whole testimony, and how they met, and how they started composing music, and their whole life story. Is so interesting. So anyway, here is another Bill and Gloria Gaither song. I love it. Where we'll never grow old. Here it is. I was pastoring a country church in Cobb County, Georgia, and every fourth Sunday night we had a gospel sing. And it would fill the building, a small building, but we had no air conditioning, so we raised the windows and people stood outside, leaned in. Spirit Family was my biggest drawing card. And they'd come and sing. And one Sunday night, a man in his 50s, I guess, I'm up on the pulpit and he comes and says to me, you don't know who I am. You probably don't know who my father is, but my father's Reverend James Moore. And he and Dad Spear used to teach singing schools together and travel the country. I said, my father wrote, or we'll never grow old. Spirits were singing while this man's telling me this. 
I said, go get your father. He's in his late 80s. He went and got Brother Moore, Reverend James C. Moore. Brought him up to the front. And when the spheres got through with a song they were singing, Brother Moore was standing right in Dad Spears' face. These two old men looked at each other for just a few seconds. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the glory rose. They began to cry, and they both began to try to sing in a land where we'll never, never grow old. That church was so filled you couldn't walk anywhere. But people began to step over one another. My deacons took 37 people in Sunday school rooms, and they were saved. We have heard of I sure did. I sure did. I tell you what now, folks. We're going to turn a corner. Uh, when Justice Clarence Thomas was finally confirmed to be a member of the Supreme Court, he had gone through a terrible, terrible trial situation. His confirmation hearings were, honest to goodness, and I remember that vividly. Who is right? What is right? Who is accusing who of what? It was a mess. And then I was, uh, an organization I belonged to was in Washington, D.C. And Justice Thomas uh, made his first public speech 
after he was confirmed. Uh, and I tell you, what he said was uh, to the effect of, of he was now on, on, the, on the court. He could say what he wanted to. And he said, opening lines were, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. So what? <laughs> and you see, what he really meant is they, they couldn't take that up now and accuse him of something else. Well, Justice Clarence Thomas spoke at Hillsdale College uh, in the dedication of a chapel that they had built for the students to have a place to worship on the campus. And he was asked to come and be the, the speaker. And it was a Hillsdale College. You hear, you hear their advertising on Bot Radio Network a lot. But folks, I want you to hear every word that Justice Thomas brought. Here it is. When life is difficult and seems pointless, we need a safe haven where we can escape from the storm and find solace. Chapels provide that setting. They invite us to draw near to God and to elevate our thoughts, to seek his wisdom, to lay down our burdens at the foot of the cross, and to find that peace that surpasses all understanding. For here we know we are standing on holy ground. In the words of a popular gospel hymn, when I walk through the door, I sense his presence, and I knew this was a place where love abounds, for this is a temple. The God we love abides here. Oh, we are standing in his presence on holy ground. This calls to mind Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. When she came to the tabernacle to pray, she was barren but longed for a child. The Bible describes her as deeply depressed, a woman troubled in spirit who was experiencing great anxiety and vexation and weeping bitterly. But Hannah poured out her soul before the Lord at the tabernacle. And after a time of prayer and speaking with the priests, her face was no longer sad. She came to the tabernacle in anguish. She left at peace. Hannah's story reminds me of a young woman I saw some years ago in the church I attend near the court. I notice her crying, her shoulders jerking rhythmically as she sobbed heavily. We happened to leave the church at the same time, and as we did, I asked her if she was okay. Her face streaked with mascara. She answered in a quiet, peaceful voice, I am now. Whatever burden that woman was carrying when she entered the church, she did not leave with it. In the words of the letter to the Hebrews, she drew near to the throne of grace, and she did so in a church building. I have no doubt that many will enter here burdened, and like Hannah and the young woman, leave unburdened and at peace. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I humbly offer my own story that is similar. Like Hannah, my life was changed through prayer at a time of, at a place of worship. 
Although I was raised Catholic and even spent four years in the seminary, in my early adult years, I became greatly disillusioned with the church and made the mistake of angrily storming away, impetuousness of youth. Throughout law school and the early years of my career, I was self-reliant, so I thought, and gave little attention to God. But not long after I joined President Reagan's administration, I was in the midst of one of the darkest periods of my life. I was in my 30s, running a federal agency under significant public scrutiny and criticism. I had little money, I was raising my young son, and I was grieving the loss of the two most important people in my life, my grandparents. Life seemed hopeless and felt like I had nowhere to turn. In the midst of this hardship and grief, God drew me back to the church, and he used a church building to do it. It was during this period, seemingly bereft of hope, that I began to make daily visits to local churches to pray for wisdom and courage, as well as strength and guidance. Unlike the tumultuous world around me, the church building provided a place of peace, a sanctuary from the turmoils of my life. Within those walls, with God's help and grace, I was able to elevate my thoughts beyond my circumstances and self-absorption and set my mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, as St. Paul wrote in the letter to the Colossians. God used these times of prayer and meditation to rekindle the flame of faith in my life. I am a changed man today, and God began that transformation in a holy place, a sanctuary much like this chapel, where I could temporarily leave behind the onslaught of life's difficulties and bring my troubles before the Lord. God used this renewed faith to sustain me and my wife through my confirmation hearings, and we continue to rely daily on the grace he gives us. But there's nothing unique about this in our lives. For many people, chapels and churches have served as beacons of hope, physical reminders of our need for God and his grace. And the presence of a chapel on a college camp is particularly important. In fact, in this age of popular iconoclasm, building a chapel on a college campus is all but verboten. The college years require young people to make decisions that will affect the rest of their lives. They are exposed to new ideas, new relationships, new distractions, and new temptations. They need a place where they can go to be relieved of their troubles and get their bearing as so much comes at them so fast. By building this chapel, Hillsdale College has provided that space where students can come to discern God's calling, to pray through difficult times, and to praise God for his faithfulness. In short, Hillsdale College has recognized the importance of equipping students, not only intellectually, but also spiritually, 
for the many challenges of life in college and beyond. Although a chapel is a place for many activities, it also serves as a statement about the importance of those activities. The construction of a college chapel, in particular, is a public declaration that faith and reason are mutually reinforcing. And in 2019, the construction of a chapel is a bold act of leadership at a crucial time in our nation's history. So I would like to briefly underscore the broader significance of the decision that Hillsdale College has made in building Christ Chapel. Beginning in the early 1900s, many elite private colleges and universities began to face questions about the continuing relevance of religious instruction on campus. These questions would have surprised the founders of those schools, many of which were created in part for the express purpose of providing religious instruction. But as time went on and schools moved away from their religious roots, the relevance of religion to higher education was increasingly questioned, and campus chapels in particular came to be viewed as relics of a bygone era. With the completion of Christ Chapel, Hillsdale College has staked out its position in this debate, and its decision serves as an example for all of us. The construction of so grand a chapel in 2019 does not happen by accident or as an afterthought. Christ Chapel reflects the college's conviction that a vibrant intellectual environment and a strong democratic society are fostered, not hindered, by a recognition of the divine. Hillsdale College affirms with the writer of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. By constructing this chapel, the college upholds the continued importance of its Christian roots even as it respects the rights of each person to worship God according to the dictates of his own conscience. Our country was founded on the view that a correct understanding of the nature of God and the human person is critical to preserving the liberty that we so enjoy. John Adams wrote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. He recognized that the preservation of liberty is not guaranteed. Without the guardrails supplied by religious conviction, popular sovereignty can devolve into mob rule, unmoored from any conception of objective truth. As I think about our political culture today, I am reminded of Ronald Reagan's warning that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have, we have known, is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them to do the same. Each generation is responsible to both itself and to succeeding generations for preserving and promoting the blessings of liberty. Faith in God, 
more than anything else, fuels the strength of character and self-discipline necessary to ably discharge that responsibility. That is why I am so encouraged by the construction of Christ Chapel. Hillsdale College's Articles of Association affirm that inestimable blessings flow from the prevalence of civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety in the land. The college was founded on the belief that the diffusion of sound learning is essential to the perpetuity of these blessings. Thus, Hillsdale College was founded on the understanding that the battle to preserve and promote freedom in our country will be waged in the hearts and minds of the people. Rather than shrinking from the battle, Hillsdale is rising to the occasion by investing in the intellectual and spiritual development of its students so they can provide God-honoring leadership in our country. Let it be said of them what was said of David, that he served the counsel of God in his own generation. Students, faculty, administrators, and friends of Hillsdale, let this chapel be more than just an impressive building. Let it be a place where people enter the presence of a majestic God. Let it be a house of worship, of prayer, of meditation, and of celebration before God. Let it be a haven of rest for the weary, a place of healing for the wounded, a place of comfort for the grieving, and a source of hope for the despairing and the forgotten. Let it point to a day when the dwelling of God will be with men, when God himself will wipe away every tear and mend every wound. Let it be a place where tomorrow's leaders discern their callings and grow firm in their convictions. Let it stand as a bold declaration to a watching world that faith and learning are rightly understood as complements and that both are essential to the preservation of the blessings of liberty. Above all, let this chapel equip and inspire us to honor God in whatever he calls us to do. For as St. Paul wrote in the letter to the Romans, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. May God bless each of you. May God bless Hillsdale. And may God bless this wonderful country. Thank you. Oh, oh friends, listen now. That was uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. As some time back when he was speaking at Hillsdale College uh, to dedicate uh, the chapel uh, that they had just constructed for their students to worship. And uh, I feel like I know you do. I wanted to say amen all the way through that. Now listen, we've got to get to some listener comments here because everything's getting away from us. Here's a lady. Hi, my name is Cheryl, and I'm from Fresno, California. I'm a single mom. Um, I have a disabled daughter. Uh, I really appreciate your radio station and um, Chuck Swindoll and Washington Watch. Anyway, I just wanted to just say thank you for uh, what you're doing. It really strengthens me and keeps my focus on the Lord, and I appreciate that. It feeds me spiritually when I'm in the car. We like to travel a lot. 
So I appreciate you being there. God bless you again. Thank you. Oh, well, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. All the way out in California. Here's a gentleman. Hi. I'm calling from Lincoln here just to thank you for airing the Pacific Garden Mission uh, program. And uh, I listen to it often and wanted you to know how much I appreciate those stories of the lives that have been changed. Thank you for being there. I enjoy your radio program in many aspects of my life. Um, All right, sir. That was uh, unshackled. We've carried that program for many, many, many years, uh, produced by the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, here's a, here's a lady. Bot radio has been a big part of my life. I listen to it day and night, and I listen to the great variety of the biblical teachers. I want to thank you, and may God continue to bless you, BRN. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here's a man. Yes, I'm a lineman here in Arkansas, and I just I ride around all day looking at line, listening to y'all's programs. Y'all have really blessed me. I take it home to my kids and, and my wife and instill them with God's Word. Thank y'all very much. God bless. <laughs> well, let, now listen, y'all. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate you. If I could shake your hand, we'd be good friends. Absolutely. Thank you for calling. Now, here's a lady. Hello, my name is Rhonda. Listen, I've been listening to you guys for, oh my goodness, almost 30 years. And let me tell you, you guys have seen me through some rough days and some long nights. And you know what? I just thank God for Bot Radio Network because you guys really minister to the heart. Continue doing what you do. Never stop. We're living in times now where we need this radio station. Please keep doing what you guys do. God bless you guys. I love you. God bless you. Well, our prayer, ma'am, thank you so much for that. And our prayer is Bible teaching and Christian news and information. Uh, And God bless you for calling. Well, we want to take one more. Hello, my name is Randy. I'm from Bellevue, Nebraska. I'm a veteran serving still on Offutt Air Force Base. I want to say thank you to Bot Radio. Thank you for what you do and all the things that you've yet to do. All right. Now, remember, folks, the phone number is 1-800-345-2621. This is Dick Bot with this chapter of The Complete Story. Next week, my son will be back rich, of course, and we'll see you later.